Chapter One, Part Two of The Teeth of the Tiger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Teeth of the Tiger by Maurice Leblanc. Chapter One D'Artagnan, Porthos, and Monte Cristo. Meanwhile, the prefect of police had taken from among the documents an open envelope containing two sheets of paper. He unfolded the larger of the two and said, This is the will. I will ask you to listen attentively while I read it, and also the document attached to it. The others settled themselves in their chairs, and the prefect read out. The last will and testament of me, Cosmo Mornington, eldest son of Hubert Mornington and Hermeline Roussel, his wife, a naturalized citizen of the United States of America. I give and bequeath to my adopted country three-fourths of my estate, to be employed on works of charity in accordance with the instructions written in my hand, which Maître Lepertuis will be good enough to forward to the ambassador of the United States. The remainder of my property, to the value of about one hundred million francs, consisting of deposits in various Paris and London banks, a list of which is in the keeping of Maître Lepertuis, I give and bequeath, in memory of my dear mother, to her favorite sister, Elizabeth Roussel, or her direct heirs, or, in default of Elizabeth and her heirs, to her second sister, Armand Roussel, or her direct heirs, or, in default of both sisters and their heirs, to their cousin, Victor Roussel, or his direct heirs. In the event of my dying without discovering the surviving members of the Roussel family, or of the cousin of the three sisters, I request my friend Don Luis Perena to make all the necessary investigations. With this object, I hereby appoint him the executor of my will, in so far as concerns the European portion of my estate, and I beg him to undertake the conduct of the events that may arise after my death, or in consequence of my death, to consider himself my representative, and to act in all things for the benefit of my memory and the accomplishment of my wishes. In gratitude for this service, and in memory of the two occasions on which he saved my life, I give and bequeath to the said Don Luis Perena the sum of one million francs. The prefect stopped for a few seconds. Don Luis murmured, Poor Cosmo, I should not have needed that inducement to carry out his last wishes. M. Desmalions continued his reading. Furthermore, if within three months of my death the investigations made by Don Luis Perena and by Maître Lepertuis have led to no result, if no heir and no survivor of the Roussel family have come forward to receive the bequest, then the whole hundred million francs shall definitely, all later claims notwithstanding, accrue to my friend Don Luis Perena. I know him well enough to feel assured that he will employ this fortune in a manner which shall accord with the loftiness of his schemes and the greatness of the plans which he described to me so enthusiastically in our tent in Morocco. M. de Malion stopped once more and raised his eyes to Don Luis, who remained silent and impassive, though a tear glistened on his lashes. Comte d'Astrignac said, My congratulations, Perena. Let me remind you, Major, he answered, that this legacy is subject to a condition, and I swear that if it depends on me, the survivors of the Roussel family shall be found. I'm sure of it, said the officer. I know you. In any case, asked the prefect of police of Don Luis, you do not refuse this conditional legacy? Well, no, said Perena with a laugh. There are things which one can't refuse. My question, said the prefect, was prompted by the last paragraph of the will. If for any reason my friend Perena should refuse this legacy, or if he should have died before the date fixed for its payment, 
I request the ambassador of the United States and the prefect of police, for the time being, to consult as to the means of building and maintaining in Paris a university confined to students and artists of American nationality, and to devote the money to this purpose. And I hereby authorize the prefect of police, in any case, to receive a sum of three hundred thousand francs out of my estate for the benefit of the Paris Police Fund. M. de Malion folded the paper and took up another. There is a codicil to the will. It consists of a letter which Mr. Mornington wrote to Maître Le Pertuis some time after, and which explains certain points with greater precision. I request Maître Le Pertuis to open my will on the day after my death, in the presence of the Prefect of Police, who will be good enough to keep the matter an entire secret for a month. One month later, to the day, he will have the kindness to summon to his office Maître Le Pertuis, Don Luis Perena, and a prominent member of the United States Embassy. Subsequent to the reading of the will, a cheque for one million francs shall be handed to my friend and legatee Don Luis Perena, after a simple examination of his papers and a simple verification of his identity. I should wish this verification to be made as regards the personality by Major Comte d'Astrignac, who was his commanding officer in Morocco, and who unfortunately had to retire prematurely from the army, and as regards birth, by a member of the Peruvian legation, as Don Luis Perena, though retaining his Spanish nationality, was born in Peru. Furthermore, I desire that my will be not communicated to the Roussel heirs until two days later, at Maître Le Pertuis's office. Finally, and this is the last expression of my wishes as regards the disposal of my estate and the method of proceeding with that disposal, the prefect of police will be good enough to summon the persons aforesaid to his office for a second time, at a date to be selected by himself, not less than sixty, nor more than ninety days, after the first meeting. Then, and not till then, will the definite legatee be named and proclaimed according to his rights, nor shall any be so named and proclaimed unless he be present at this meeting, at the conclusion of which Don Luis Perena, who must also attend it, shall become the definite legatee, if, as I have said, no survivor nor heir of the Roussel sisters or of their cousin Victor have come forward to claim the bequest. Replacing both documents in the envelope, the Prefect of Police continued, You have now, gentlemen, heard the will of Mr. Cosmo Mornington, which explains your presence here. A sixth person will join us shortly, one of my detectives, whom I instructed to make the first inquiries about the Roussel family, and who will give you the result of his investigations but for the moment we must proceed in accordance with the testator's directions don luis perena's papers which he sent me at my request a fortnight ago have been examined by myself and are perfectly in order as regards his birth i wrote and begged his excellency the peruvian minister to collect the most precise information the minister entrusted this mission to me said signor caceres the peruvian attache it offered no difficulties. Don Luis Perena comes of an old Spanish family which emigrated thirty years ago, but which retained its estates and property in Europe. I knew Don Luis's father in America, and he used to speak of his only son with the greatest affection. It was our legation that informed the son three years ago of his father's death. I produce a copy of the letter sent to Morocco. And I have the original letter here, among the documents forwarded by Don Luis Perena to the prefect of police." do you major recognize private perena who fought under your orders in the foreign legion i recognize him said comte d'astrignac beyond the possibility of a mistake beyond the possibility of a mistake and without the least feeling of hesitation the prefect of police with a laugh hinted 
You recognize Private Perena, whom the men, carried away by a sort of astounded admiration of his exploits, used to call Arsène Lupin? Yes, Monsieur le Préfet, replied the Major sharply, the one whom the men called Arsène Lupin, but whom the officers called simply the hero, the one who we used to say was as brave as D'Artagnan, as strong as Porthos, and as mysterious as Monte Cristo, said the Prefect of Police, laughing. I have all this in the report which I received from the Fourth Regiment of the Foreign Legion. It is not necessary to read the whole of it, but it contains the unprecedented fact that Private Perena, in the space of two years' time, received the military medal, received the Legion of Honour for exceptional services, and was mentioned fourteen times in dispatches. I will pick out a detail here and there. "'Monsieur le préfet, I beg of you,' protested Don Luis. "'These are trivial matters, of no interest to anybody, and I do not see the reason.' "'There is every reason on the contrary,' declared Monsieur de Malion. "'You gentlemen are here not only to hear a will read, but also to authorize its execution, as regards the only one of its clauses that is to be carried out at once, the payment of a legacy of a million francs.' it is necessary therefore that all of you should know what there is to know of the personality of the legatee consequently i propose to continue in that case monsieur le prefet said perenna rising and making for the door you will allow me right about turn halt eyes front commanded major d'astignac in a jesting tone he dragged don luis back to the middle of the room and forced him into a chair monsieur le prefet he said I plead for mercy for my old comrade in arms, whose modesty would really be put to too severe a test if the story of his prowess were read out in front of him. Besides, the report is here, and we can all of us consult it for ourselves. Without having seen it, I second every word of praise that it contains, and I declare that, in the course of my whole military career, I have never met a soldier who could compare with Private Perena. And yet I saw plenty of fine fellows over there, the sort of demons whom you only find in the Legion, and who will get themselves cut to bits for the sheer pleasure of the thing, for the lark of it, as they say, just to astonish one another. But not one of them came anywhere near Perena. The chap whom we nicknamed D'Artagnan, Porthos, and de Bussy deserve to be classed with the most amazing heroes of legend and history. I have seen him perform feats which I should not care to relate, for fear of being treated as an impostor. Feats so improbable that to-day, in my calmer moments, I wonder if I am quite sure that I did see them one day at Cetat, as we were being pursued another word major cried don luis gaily and this time i really will go out i must say you have a nice way of sparing my modesty my dear perena replied comte d'astrignac i always told you that you had every good quality and only one fault which was that you were not a frenchman and i always answered major that i was french on my mother's side and a frenchman in heart and temperament there are things which only a frenchman can do the two men again gripped each other's hands affectionately. "'Come,' said the prefect, "'we'll say no more of your feats of prowess, monsieur, nor of this report. I will mention one thing, however, which is that, after two years, you fell into an ambush of forty Berbers, that you were captured, and that you did not rejoin the Legion until last month.' "'Just so, monsieur le préfet, in time to receive my discharge, as my five years' service was up.' "'But how did Mr. Cosmo Mornington come to mention you in his will, when, at the time when he was making it, you had disappeared from view for eighteen months?' "'Cosmo and I used to correspond.' "'What?' "'Yes, and I had informed him of my approaching escape and my return to Paris.' "'But how did you manage that? Where were you, and how did you find the means?' Don Luis smiled without answering. "'Monte Cristo, this time,' said M. Desmalions, 
the mysterious Monte Cristo. Monte Cristo, if you like, Monsieur le Préfet, in point of fact, the mystery of my captivity and escape is a rather strange one. It may be interesting to throw some light upon it one of these days. Meanwhile, I must ask for a little credit. A silence ensued. Monsieur de Malion once more inspected this curious individual and he could not refrain from saying, as though in obedience to an association of ideas for which he himself was unable to account, "'One word more, and one only. What were your comrades' reasons for giving you that rather odd nickname of Arsène Lupin? Was it just an allusion to your pluck, to your physical strength?' "'There was something besides, Monsieur le Préfet, the discovery of a very curious theft, of which certain details, apparently incapable of explanation, had enabled me to name the perpetrator.' "'So you have a gift for that sort of thing?' "'Yes, Monsieur le Préfet, a certain knack which I had the opportunity of employing in Africa on more than one occasion, hence my nickname of Arsène Lupin. It was soon after the death of the man himself, you know, and he was much spoken of at the time.' "'Was it a serious theft?' "'It was, rather, and it happened to be committed upon Cosmo Mornington, who was then living in the province of Oran. It was really what started our relations.' There was a fresh silence, and Don Luis added, "'Poor Cosmo! That incident gave him an unshakable confidence in my little detective talents. He was always saying, "'Perena, if I die murdered!' He had a fixed notion in his head that he would meet with a violent death. "'If I die murdered, swear that you will pursue the culprit.' "'His presentiment was not justified,' said the Prefect of Police. "'Cosmo Mornington was not murdered.' "'That's where you make a mistake, Monsieur le Préfet,' said Don Luis." M. Desmalions gave a start. "'What? What's that? Cosmo Mornington?' "'I say that Cosmo Mornington did not die, as you think, of a carelessly administered injection, but that he died, as he feared he would, by foul play.' "'But, monsieur, your assertion is based on no evidence whatever.' "'It is based on fact, monsieur le préfet. "'Were you there? Do you know anything?' I was not there. A month ago I was still with the colours. I even admit that, when I arrived in Paris not having seen the newspapers regularly, I did not know of Cosmo's death. In fact, I learned it from you just now, Monsieur le Préfet. In that case, Monsieur, you cannot know more about it than I do, and you must accept the verdict of the doctor. I am sorry, but his verdict fails to satisfy me. But look here, Monsieur, what prompts you to make the accusation? Have you any evidence? Yes. What evidence? "'Your own words, Monsieur le Préfet.' "'My own words? What do you mean?' "'I will tell you, Monsieur le Préfet. You began by saying that Cosmo Mornington had taken up medicine and practised it with great skill. Next you said that he had given himself an injection which, carelessly administered, set up inflammation and caused his death within a few hours.' "'Yes?' "'Well, Monsieur le Préfet, I maintain that a man who practises medicine with great skill, and who is accustomed to treating sick people, as Cosmo Mornington was, is incapable of giving himself a hypodermic injection without first taking every necessary antiseptic precaution. I have seen Cosmo at work, and I know how he set about things. Well? Well, the doctor just wrote a certificate, as any doctor will when there is no sort of clue to arouse his suspicions. So your opinion is... Maître Le Pertuis, asked Perena, turning to the solicitor, did you notice nothing unusual when you were summoned to Mr. Mornington's deathbed? "'No, nothing. Mr. Mornington was in a state of coma.' "'It's a strange thing in itself,' observed Don Luis, "'that an injection, however badly administered, should produce such rapid results. Were there no signs of suffering?' "'No. Or rather, yes. 
"'Yes, I remember the face showed brown patches, which I did not see on the occasion of my first visit.' "'Brown patches? That confirms my supposition Cosmo Mornington was poisoned.' "'But how?' exclaimed the prefect. "'By some substance introduced into one of the phials of glycerophosphate, or into the syringe which the sick man employed.' "'But the doctor!' M. Desmalions objected. "'Maître Le Pertuis,' Perenna continued, "'did you call the doctor's attention to those brown patches?' "'Yes, but he attached no importance to them. "'Was it his ordinary medical adviser? "'No, his ordinary medical adviser, Dr. Pujol, "'who happens to be a friend of mine "'and who had recommended me to him as a solicitor, was ill. "'The doctor whom I saw at his deathbed "'must have been a local practitioner.' "'I have his name and address here,' said the prefect of police, "'who had turned up with a certificate. "'Dr. Bellevoine, 14 Rue d'Astorg. "'Have you a medical directory, Monsieur le Préfet?' M. Desmalions opened a directory and turned over the pages. Presently he declared, "'There is no Dr. Bellevoine, and there is no doctor living at 14 Rue d'Astorg.'" End of chapter 1